Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program dedicated to engaging in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, an assistant pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission Conversation. There are a variety of ways in which believers have financed the work of foreign missions over the course of church history. In more recent years, for the majority of independent missionaries, those not attached to larger denominational and ecclesiastical institutions, the most common method of fundraising is something called deputation. Deputation has its champions and its critics. It's regarded by some as an inherent good and by others as a necessary evil. But as with a great many things in life, the value and effectiveness of deputation has a lot to do with what the prospective missionary makes of the process. My guest today is Thomas Urban. Thomas trusted Christ in 2010 while serving as a civilian defense contractor in Saudi Arabia. If that sounds like an interesting story, I assure you it is. He attended the DeLand School of the Bible in DeLand, Florida, a ministry of the Bible Baptist Church with Pastor James Knox. The Lord directed Thomas and his wife Kristen to the countries of Uganda and Rwanda in East Africa. Thomas sat down with me to discuss his experience on deputation, and I think it was a very informative conversation. With that introduction, here is part one of a two-part conversation on the topic of deputation. Brother Thomas, our topic today is deputation, and I wanted to have this conversation with you for a number of reasons, but one of those is just simply your proximity to this whole experience of deputation. So as of this recording, you've recently finished raising your support. Your departure is just on the horizon, and um, you're, you're getting ready to deploy to Uganda. So as a, as a bit of background here for our listeners, can tell us begin by telling us when you began deputation and approximately how long it took for you and Kristen to raise your support for full-time service in Uganda. Sure. Um, so we began what I would call full-time deputation uh, February of 2019. And it took us about 13 months to raise our full support. Sort of as a as a disclaimer uh, for our listeners, I am not in favor of cookie-cutter Christians, cookie-cutter pastors, cookie-cutter sure, churches. Sure. So I think that I think deputation, like a lot of things, it's it's going to have a, a personality of its own that forms around the personality of, in this case, the missionary that's on deputation. So right. as we have this conversation, just so our listeners know, this is not that your experience is not necessarily prescriptive for everybody else. Uh, nevertheless, so so while the experience is unique, I, I really do think it would help our listeners, be they um, prospective missionaries or pastors or church members that are that just have a, a real interest in missions. If you could walk us through the timeline, so the the Lord has directed your heart to at least initially specifically the Sese Islands in Uganda. Right. And so as I understand you and your wife made a survey trip back in December or excuse me September of 2016 once you returned home and you had confidence that the Lord was leading you to the field of Uganda. Uh, how did you tra- how did you make that transition from your secular work to full-time deputation. What was what was sort of the process of getting from? Okay, this is this is the Lord's will and direction for our lives. Now, how can we achieve that objective? 
it it started it started essentially with a series of meetings with our pastor um and brother james has been a great example in terms of planning and setting goals and just making sure that you're preparing for whatever venture it is you're getting into be it missions or or just life in general and so that was kind of what he instilled in us from that meeting was he seemed excited about it. He was behind us. Um, he was supportive of it, but then he laid out a series of expectations that he had. And then he advised us to go and lay out a series of expectations of our own and then to set goals to obtain and, and achieve those, whatever those objectives may be. And so we, you know, we first, we began to plan. I mean, that, that, I know that sounds simple, but I'm afraid probably a little too often that that gets missed to some extent. I had to finish Bible school. I was still in Bible school at the time. And my goal in Bible school was not necessarily to get a certificate. I, I came to the Bible Baptist Church because I believe that was the place I needed to be to really learn the Bible. And so I didn't place a major emphasis on necessarily graduating and getting the certificate. But then Brother James said, as soon as you graduate, we'll help you get on the field. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so that became number one objective. Is, you know, it became a lot more focused. Not, not that I was necessarily being flippant about Bible school. It just getting that certificate wasn't my concern. Being in church as someone who got saved and hasn't spent much time in church was more of my concern. And secondly, we set financial goals. We we had a home at the time. We, I, our first home, we paid $45,000 for it. And um, uh, we took out a, a loan from actually a, a friend of ours, uh, gave us the money to purchase the house. We were paying them back uh, over a, uh, you know, monthly, as you would a, a normal mortgage of, of sorts. So we needed to get rid of that debt. So we sold the house. We actually sold it for $75,000. And then um, I had I had a Toyota Tacoma that I that I made payments on at the time and and Toyota trucks being what they are I actually sold it for more than I than I initially bought it for and so so getting rid of the debt went well and th- and that was for the mo- other than a few credit cards here and there that was the majority of our debt we 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 lived uh relatively we 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 kept a relatively low amount of debt we we didn't really get in over our heads as far as that that was concerned and so it was fairly easy to get rid of that. And then the next goal was kind of our approach and mentality to deputation is that it's still my pr- responsibility to provide for my own and, and that the Lord still is still going to hold me accountable to do that. And so we wanted to save money and make sure that we had finances necessary to be able to survive on the road without putting an undue burden on churches. And so we saved up, you know, fifteen to twenty thousand dollars was kind of the goal that I set. I think we hit the fifteen thousand dollar mark um, when everything kind of came together, and and it appeared to be time for us to set out on deputation. So we just we set goals, we planned, we were in constant communication with our pastor and our assistant pastor and the men of our church, the, the men in leadership at our church, and the Lord really blessed it. Well, let me let me touch on a few of the things that you you address there. Um, so when when Brother James came back to you and said, you know, is when when you're done with uh, when you're done with Bible school, sure, uh, we'll be glad to to help you proceed to to get to the to the mission field. That may not have been what uh, what you had in mind immediately. I know that you're a very motivated person, and and you, you you've done a great job. Obviously, completing deputation in 13 months at least was partially due to your ability to 
establish goals and pursue those goals with concentration, with effort, with zeal. Sure. Um, so, but having the blessing, having uh, and and following some count the counsel of your pastor, even when it, perhaps initially you you didn't understand it all, to, or maybe not, didn't even altogether agree with it. Sure, that was foundational actually to to realizing the larger objective. So did you find out, are, are you glad you finished Bible school? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I am. I am. I, I you know, looking back, th- this process has, has caused me to take probably different aspects of the Christian life far more serious than maybe I did before, or at least put a place more value on it than maybe I did before. And, and again, I, I'm not suggesting that I was just being flippant about certain things and, and though maybe you could make that argument, but, um, <laughs> the, the idea of one thing I've noticed through all of this is our willingness to, to submit to the request of our pastor has really been of tremendous value. And I believe God has honored it and, and greatly helped us through it. And I, I wouldn't, uh, that was probably one of the staple aspects of of our ministry that I would not get rid of, even when it's difficult. There are times we've had conversations and it's been hard and and I didn't like the counsel that I got, but um, Brother James is wise and he's been at this for a long time and he's not telling me something I don't want to hear just to make me upset. He, he really, he, he thinks about things from a different perspective. I, I tend to rush into things and I, I didn't maybe think it through all the way or didn't have the experience to consider some of the things that he may has, may have run into. And um, it's been a tremendous help. Well, the work of missions is a, it's a team effort. It's, it's not a freelance operation. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, nobody can get the, nobody can, can fulfill the commission on their own. Right. And, uh, and, and I think the local church is absolutely vital to this entire enterprise Sure. and uh, to bypass that, that, that structure and which, which the Lord has ordained in his word is, is something that's going to be detrimental to the, to the larger cause. And the other thing that you address there, and and it's just brass tacks, but unfortunately, I, I, it, if it goes if it goes unaddressed, um, it is counterproductive to the to the work of missions, and that's just simply the, uh, the the simple matter of dollars and cents, which has got a lot to do with the matter of debt. Debt right. really right. it can be a hindrance to getting to the foreign mission field and part of the part of the pre-planning for going to the field has got to be debt consolidation and establishing some of those financial goals so I, I appreciate you addressing that so as quickly as your support came in and and as positive your as your deputation experience has proven to be and we'll get into that a bit more later I happen to know that when <laughs> that when you started this entire thing when you when you <laughs> first uh, had had the 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 desire and the vision to go to the foreign field as a missionary, the whole prospect of, of deputation, the idea of traveling to churches and soliciting funds and this kind of thing, that is not something that you are at all excited about and, and understandably so. So maybe you can go back to, to your original thinking about the, this, this whole concept of deputation and tell us what what initially were your reservations? What were your apprehensions about deputation, and and how did you overcome those to to succeed in this prospect of of raising support to get to the foreign field? Right. Um, well, looking back now, 
you know, as we just mentioned, some things you may not know about, I, I, you know, or moving into something or an area of life where you maybe didn't have the right amount of experience to, to make proper choices and, and proper planning. When I look back, I think most of our apprehensions were born out of probably ignorance. Um, you know, we, you know, we, we had preconceived ideas regarding deputation and I believe most of them majored on, on negatives the, the negative aspects of deputation that people tend to like to talk about. And, um, and then the idea to me of asking churches for money really seemed less than honorable. It just really seemed problematic to me. Um, and, and then the major, some of the major negatives were the amount of time people spend on deputation sure. and all the money and, and things that go into that large amount of time that is spent on deputation. Um, I was in no way interested in putting on this salesman-like attitude that, that missionaries <laughs> tend to pick up. Um, right. I, I despised asking people for money. And, and so, uh, you know, it, we, we basically developed a series of negative connotations about deputation, but I never felt the need really to ask someone that probably knew more than me <laughs> for, for some weight on the other side of the boat. And, um, and that, that really changed for us. Honestly, by a, through a conversation with you, um, you had come down to our church for our youth rally, and we had just come back from Uganda, and uh, and you and I sat down and and we we talked about that. I was t- Kristen and I were telling you about the time that we had there and the idea that we had there, and we also had mentioned to you our apprehensions about deputation and going on deputation. And you invited us. You were you were the pastor at Ridge Road Baptist Church at that time, and. You invited us to your missions conference, and and honestly, that that time at your mission missions conference, I, I had never been to a missions conference before that missions conference, so I really had no clue what I was talking about, or or, or the the ideas I had in my head were all things I had heard from other people. I had no real experience to actually apply to this and and have a valid opinion about it, and that experience at your missions conference greatly helped us. We got to spend time with some missionaries and talk with them and get and get their perspective on it, which was very different. And you had a few guys there that had really done well on deputation. Sure. They had finished it in a timely manner and 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 had a um, a real go get it type attitude about it. And and uh, and you know sp- specifically Tyler Masters was there, who who's been I mean he's my age and he's been on the mission field ten or fifteen years, and right. um, you know so he he really had really provided a different insight that greatly helped us. We left that missions conference really excited and with a, with a completely different attitude towards deputation. And, and it, it really helped us to, to plan and, and not knowing so much about deputation, I think in some, to some extent was a major help to us. Like, <laughs> sure. like you said in the beginning, it allowed us to kind of make it our own and, and, um, and formulate our own approach to it rather than following a cookie cutter plan. And so that really just that missions conference and the people we met there and the experience we had there and then actually seeing the real thing rather than sitting back from, from, you know, my armchair, just having an opinion about something I'd never participated in, in any way greatly helped. 
Now, you, you, as you, and I, I want to interact with this a bit more later. You didn't have a lot of preconceptions about the way deputation should be done. You, it's not like you had some sort of independent Baptist pedigree, and you had this right. box that that you uh, inherited, and and to to think inside about these things. Right. And so that that fact was actually fleshed out as you as you got started in deputation. So you mentioned that you began. Uh, deputation full-time back in February, 2019. Is that right? Correct. Uh, but you sort of started raising support before you ever formally started deputation. T- tell us how that came about. Sure. So, you know, the, the meeting that we went to at Ridge road was, I believe in 2017. And, and so from that time until, until 2019, when we went on deputation, we, we were in what we would have called our preparation phase, I guess you could say. And I was working full time. I, I would drive two hours one way to work and I would work 10 to 12 hours and then drive two hours home. And, and um, I used that job at a very good job. That job was a means to the end of, of paying off debt, saving money and getting ready for, for full-time deputation. Now, the, the company I worked for, my, my management there was unbelievably good to me. Um, they, they understood who I was, what I was about, and I had unbelievable liberty there to be myself, to, to have conversations that I wanted to have to, to, you know, anyways, the the point of me bringing all that up is they, they also learned of my desire to go to Africa and did whatever they could to facilitate my moving in that direction. Though they didn't want me to go, they wanted me to stay. Uh, my boss told me when I left, he said, if you ever need to come back, I will clear my own desk off so that you can wow. come back if, if necessary. And so th- they were really, really good to me. And what began to happen in 2018, between 2017 and 2018, uh, we joined up with BIMI as our, as our mission board. And through that process, people became aware that we were we had this plan to go to Uganda and that we were pl- preparing to start deputation and uh, various churches began that knew us began to call us and, and ask us to come to their missions conferences. Uh, people that came to know us through BIMI began to call us and ask us to, to come to their conferences. And so in 2018, we took about eight meetings and, um, and, and it was tremendously helpful, but I think the first one we went to was not like the one we went to at your church. <laughs> it was, um, you know, the, there was no preaching at all. It, it, the church was moving in a direction that I would not be so comfortable with. So there, there was, there were, they were extreme opposites of each other, but gave me a great taste of what deputation was going to be like. Some churches are going to be like on cloud nine. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be right down the line for what we're looking for. Some churches are not going to, they're going to have a, a difference in administration and, and, and I may not be so comfortable with it, but we've got to learn to, as best we can, as peaceably as we can operate within all of them without being, uh, you know, in, in, fake or presenting ourselves as something that, that we're not. So right. um, it, it, allowed, it allowed me a great opportunity to kind of get ready for full-time deputation. And we had good experiences and bad experiences through that, through 2018. Um, some of the churches we went to were great. It, it was wonderful. It was a good time. It was, it was mainly a great learning experience. And my company allowed me to take as much time off as I needed 
to be able to go to some of those those conferences. It was a blessing. For for our listeners, a, a prospective missionary typically books meetings through some form of cold calling. That that's that's I think is the is the standard way of going about it, sure. which virtually any missionary will tell you is an exhausting prospect and sometimes frustrating endeavor trying to get pastors on the phone. That's just a reality. But because you, again, you you were able to think outside the box, you didn't have a lot of preconceived ideas about how deputation should or must be done. So you actually went about uh, getting your meetings in, in a very different way. So tell us about how you went about contacting pastors. And at least once full-time deputation began, how did you go about booking the majority of your meetings? The way that we came to approach churches for the purpose of booking meetings came about, it was almost born out of, out of necessity. Uh, like I mentioned, I, I had a great job. I would drive two hours one way to work. I would work 10 to 12 hours a day and then drive two hours back. And that coupled with the idea that I despised having to cold call pastors and and ask for meetings. I, I did not want to do that. Now, I, I was going to, and I would have if it were necessary. Um, but that that situation, coupled with the idea of, of staying in tune with our goal, our goal was to prepare for deputation. And the, our bills had been paid off. We had sold our house. I'd sold my truck. Uh, we bought a travel trailer. We, we had made all these preparations. And I was getting close to about $15,000 in the bank. So what all that meant to me was I need to be preparing for what's next, which means if I'm going to go full time, I need to have somewhere to go <laughs> once I get on full time deputation and, right. and I needed to schedule meetings, but I, I really didn't want to make these phone calls. So what I did, and, and I didn't have the time, I, I honestly had no time to, to make phone calls, whatever, whatsoever. And so um, I would come home at night after work and I would, what I, what I began to do was I, I tried to find a collection of independent Bible believing churches. And uh I would sit at home at night and I would uh try to try to find them by locale. So I began with Florida since my idea was we would start with Florida and then Lord willing if we could scrounge up enough meetings in Florida then we could we could slowly start to branch out, you know, f- further into the United States from our from our home base, you know, in into land Florida. And so I began to I formulated an email that did not ask for a meeting. It did not ask for money. It didn't ask for prayer. It didn't ask for anything. Basically, all it did, its entire purpose was to introduce us to that church. And it, it was a very simple email. I put web links in it that would that would take them to more information if they wanted it, if they desired to go and, and, and learn more. Otherwise, it was, it was a very simple, very basic email simply meant to introduce us to it to local uh, Baptist churches and I would just sit there on the internet and I would look up their email addresses and find as many email addresses as I could and I would email those out and we got such a positive response from that pastors would reply and and thank me for presenting myself that way and approaching them that way and and um the 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 response was just overwhelmingly positive and we began to get what appeared to be really high quality meetings and and it, it just it, they didn't come quickly and and that was kind of the scary part initially was i i hear i have friends that are missionaries and 
they're starting around the time, same time that we are and, and their schedules booked the whole year. And I'm like, well, I don't even have a month, you know, booked. I, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I, I feel like I'm way behind the curve here. And so, um, that just motivated me to send more emails. I wasn't going to make phone calls until I absolutely had to. I would just send more emails, but we were getting such a positive response and, and we were getting meetings and many of the pastors started to tell us, man, I, I really appreciate the materials you sent. I appreciate the way that you presented yourself. We're going to support you. We just need you to come on this date and present yourself. And, <laughs> and so it, I, you know, I began to be told on the phone they were going to support us before we ever even got there, as long as I didn't go mess it up. You know, once, oh, once that's I, that's better than you could have hoped for. <laughs> oh yeah. It, so what, what it turned out that we what it what it developed into was a situation where we're not driving all over the country to see if churches would support us. They just began to kind of uh, notify us that was their intent based on the way that we presented ourselves and the materials that they saw and and what they had learned about us in those materials. And so that's. That's tremendous. I do. I have to say, I I think that that is, from what I know about deputation and what it takes for most guys to get their support. I think that that is an exceptional scenario. And and what more can you say than to God be the glory? I don't. I sure. Don't know how Abs- can, absolutely. <laughs> just the Lord got in it. I I don't know how else to explain that. Uh, although right. I, of course, once those those meetings started coming in. I, I know for sure that you got uh, quite a few meetings just from uh, recommendations from pastor to pastor and, sure. and word of mouth and referrals. Um, how, how, I mean, how, what percentage do you think of your meetings were booked just through, through one pastor suggest, recommending you to, to other pastors? Sure. I, I would say probably about 10 or 15%. Um, but again, it, Though that that might sound small, but it's ten or fifteen percent of high quality, solid churches. It, you know, it 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 established a a series of relationships that can't be broken now. That that are that are just right. you know so worth having. Rather than, and again, I you know I I have a way of probably saying things that might sound insulting, and that's not my intent. But rather than the idea of showing up to a church that knows nothing about me, and and just essentially in, in rapid fire style, presenting myself, asking for money, not getting it, leaving, going to the next place. We, we really tried to stay away from that kind of, that kind of idea. Sure. Sure. Well, let me, let me back up. Let me be really basic because I don't want to take too much for granted uh, for, for the, for the listeners here. Sure. When, when you talk about deputation, what exactly are the objectives? What, what are you, when you visit a church, what are you trying to accomplish? What what do you hope to receive from that church? What what do you hope to render unto that church? What what are the what's the big idea with with deputation? Sure, I'm very honest with our with our prospective churches. Um, the idea of deputation is to raise monetary support so that I can go to Africa. Um, I I don't want to. I feel somewhat funny when when that reality is kind of swept under the rug and I pretend that I'm here for, for maybe a, a, a higher spiritual reason. Um, my job on deputation is to get it done and to get on the field. Uh, ultimately, ultimately my, my goal, my job, my, my end res- the end result is me serving the Lord Jesus Christ in Uganda, Africa, not driving around the country from church to church for, for extended periods of time. So my objective, I was very clear and very upfront with them 
is to gain monetary support, but but there is a higher spiritual aspect to that, and that you can't lose sight of that. And and so one of the best pieces of advice Brother James gave me when I left to go to go on deputation was to just be real with people and to be upfront with them. And so we didn't show up and try to pretend to be something we're not. We didn't try to um, you know kind of uh, sweep things under the rug or misrepresent who we were. We were very honest, very upfront with who we were because I want them to know this is a monetary investment with spiritual value. And they need to know, they need to be comfortable with, they need to be, they need to be clear on what it is or who it is they are investing in. Is their, their end goal is to have fruit abound to their account. Right. You know, this is not just a game that everyone's playing where I get to kind of go on a, a, a one, two or three year vacation and ride around the country. My goal is to get to the mission field. In order to get to the mission field, I have to raise the monetary support. In the process of doing that, churches will go out of their way to be a blessing to me, and I need to make certain I'm going out of my way to be a blessing to them. Well, that, I think that that philosophy of, of fundraising is really is really important. It's not just salesmanship. There's a there's a partnership in the gospel. It's it's what Paul called in Philippians one the fellowship of the gospel, and that doesn't need to be on under false pretenses. But it it is a it is a mutually beneficial relationship. It is right. not just right. beneficial to the missionary. It is beneficial to the church, and th- I, I believe churches see it that way largely. Sure. I, sure. I think that that uh, churches are benefited from their interaction with missionaries, and uh, part of that, at least, is is ministry that you get an opportunity as a as a missionary to do while you're in those various churches. That would include, you know, preaching among other things. Did did you receive a lot of opportunities to preach while you were on deputation? I have. Um, now, in generally speaking, in missions conferences, uh, missionaries don't tend to preach a whole lot because there are multiple missionaries. There's only a limited number of nights. Um, y- you know, there there are various reasons probably for why missionaries don't tend to preach during a conference. Um, it did occasionally happen during a conference, but usually on the individual one-off meetings or the or the meetings with a uh, just on a Sunday or on a Wednesday. Um, or Thursday, if the church has it on their service on a Thursday night, um, I, I was given a lot of liberty to preach in those scenarios, and it was a tremendous blessing. And in keeping with being real and upfront with people, I did not hold back. I was I I, I studied hard, I preached hard, and overwhelmingly, sometimes to my surprise, the the response was very positive and 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 was a tremendous blessing. I know that some guys end up with a particular deputation message, like something something that they get particularly on their heart that they preach a lot, mm-hmm. maybe not all the time. Right. Uh, how, how did that develop for you? Did you did you preach around a certain theme most places you went? Was it was it just uh, was it service to service, kind of just seeking seeking the Lord? How did how'd that work out? You preparing for, to to preach in the different churches you were in? Sure. Um, so the, fir- the first thing I would try and do, if, if the pastor made clear that he wanted me to preach, I would try and ask him if, if there was something specific that he desired. And occasionally the pastor would say he wanted it missions related. You know, some, sometimes that's the specific intent. Um, I, I don't necessarily hold to the idea that when a missionary shows up, he's supposed to preach on missions. Um, but if, 
the pastor asked me to do that at his church, then I'm going to go out of my way to, to respectfully do that. Sure. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, I, 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 part of what we're, we're eventually going to talk about is on deputation, I felt it my responsibility to stay productive. And part of that was you know, studying your Bible. And, and I would often try and take a, a book of the Bible and study through it or a topic in the Bible and study through it. Or just in my general reading, a phrase or a word would catch my attention and I would, I would begin to hash that out and, and study it out. And, and, um, and I, I kind of kept a notebook that I would write out sermons in and in preparation for, for preaching. And I would preach from that notebook. And so basically whatever I was studying at the time is what I tended to end up preaching, unless it was something way out of the way that really just, you, you do have to consider your audience. And uh, so, I, so I ended up spending a lot of time preaching. Uh, I was studying through the book of Romans quite a bit and through the book of Haggai quite a bit. And I, I preached from both of them quite a bit throughout the time we were on deputation and had a lot of freedom and liberty to do so. I know that you are uh, passionate about public ministry. I know that you are uh, a seasoned uh, street preacher that that you've spent a lot of time preaching publicly, preaching in rescue missions, uh, jails, wh- wherever you have had the opportunity. Did you find that did did deputation avail itself to those kinds of opportunities for for you personally? And and how about in your interaction with the churches where you visited? Did you have those kind of opportunities while you were on the road? Sure. Um, well, in terms of the churches. We often found, and and I, you know, I'm sure they have various reasons for this, but we often found that they, oftentimes they did not include us as as the missionaries in whatever their regular ministries may be. Um, now, if we would ask, you know, if we knew they had a nursing home ministry or something like that, we would ask if we could go, and we and and we go, and, and I and again, I, I I think it's important to note these details because. In keeping with the form of authenticity, we didn't go just for the purpose of trying to impress the church. And while we were there, we didn't jump in the way or 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 try to make ourselves overly known so that the church would would be impressed by that. Um, we have a we have a duty and a responsibility to be faithful to serving Jesus Christ. And if the church that we're at, who uh, intends to take us on for support or or is considering taking us on for support, has a ministry going on that we can be a part of. We wanted to be a part of that if they'd allow us that, you know, without getting in the way and without overstepping our bounds, we wanted, we wanted to be a part of that. So if churches had ministries going on, we could participate in, we, we, we tried our best to be involved in those and, and to take part in those outside of that, Kristen and I kept scripture signs in our vehicle. We kept tracks in our vehicle and we would often stop in a city wherever we were. We would just go out in their downtown area and just hold up signs and pass out tracks. Sometimes I would preach. Sometimes we would just stand at a busy intersection and hold a sign. But it was, it's our, again, being on deputation, the end goal is to raise support. But you can do that without kicking your feet back and taking naps and relaxing and, and doing nothing with your time. You, you can get out and about and and get the gospel out all over the place. You're traveling all over the country. Where, where, I mean, we we were in Hummelstown, Pennsylvania, and we were standing out on a street corner holding a sign, and someone called the cops. And so, the cops came out, and he said, "He said, you know, what are you doing?" <laughs> we're like, "Well, <laughs> we're just standing here holding." I wasn't even preaching. 
because it, the, the pastor had some reservations. I would try and communicate with the pastor and let him know we're going to do those things because there may be something going on in that local area you don't know about. And, and it'd be good to have that information ahead of time. And if the apprehension is, I've never done this, I don't know about it, that's not so much my concern. But if it is, that's illegal in our town, you may, you may need to know that ahead of time. So we, the, the police officer came up and he said, you know, what are you doing? And they said, well, we're just holding these signs and passing out these tracks. I gave him a track and he looked at it and he said, oh, okay, well, if you knock on doors, you got to have a permit. I said, oh, well, we're not, not knocking on any doors. He said, all right, have a good day. And he turned around and walked away. And so, <laughs> you know, that means that town, good chance, it's been a long time since they've had somebody yeah. publicly stand up for Jesus Christ. And that's a great opportunity for missionaries that are on deputation to get out and about and to do that kind of thing. Anecdotally here, and, and I don't want to embarrass you in any way for, for, for sure, but even before, you, you know, you talked about Ridge Road and, and dropping in there really early on in, in the process of all this and, mm-hmm. and how it was a blessing and, and maybe a, an opportunity to expand your view of, of deputation. But after that sometime, uh, even completely outside the context of, of raising monetary support, you were, you were still in Bible school, you were still working full time, but you had a, you had a few days off and, uh, you, you actually took a few days off and you and Kristen came up to Ridge road, uh, just to, just to be a blessing. I, I, I believe you, I believe you preached, uh, sun, uh, an evening service, but, but you also, Kristen organized all of our outreach material that <laughs> yeah. had become rather disheveled over, over a period of time. Sure. You even helped me and my boys with a, with a, a, a household project. And, uh, seems like you guys took a, took another weekend in the, in the same general season of your, um, uh, preparation, the, the period that you refer to as your preparation for deputation and, and mm-hmm. pre-field ministry to go to Bear Trail, if I recall, and participate in Vacation Bible School uh, and help out there, I should say. Yeah. So I, I really think, and actually, uh, Brother Stephen Holt, who's who's also out of your church, uh, uh, who is a great blessing serving the Lord sure. in Sierra Leone, West Africa, he really helped me with this some years ago when he came and parked his travel trailer for a week at Ridge Road and just said, look, when y'all, if you go on visitation, if you go on the street, I just want to spend time with your church family. And, right. and one of the sweetest, one of the sweetest doctrinal conversations I've ever had with, with another brother was, was around a fire in my backyard with Stephen Holt on a weeknight <laughs> with my kids, hey, you know, yeah. there there's just some fellowship that comes out. So uh, it seems like you guys. I, I don't want to. I don't want to formulize. I don't want to make a formula out of this. But the Lord clearly and evidently blessed your your deputation process, and you you raised your your support in a very timely manner. But you also didn't just. You, you, it seems to me that you look for opportunities to bless the family of God, to invest in the body of Christ, to assist local churches, and I don't think. Deputation is sometimes referred to by as pre-field ministry, and I I just want to say I don't think that's a euphemism. I, I think that that should be part of a missionary's philosophy, part of his mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, and I think that this is maybe how you looked at this initially, as deputation is just being sort of a necessary evil, and in some perhaps it is, but it's also a tremendous opportunity both it, for church it, it and is. for missionaries. I don't know that I would 
I don't know that I consider it necessary a necessary evil anymore. I think that's the way I went into it. I think now if you look at it as a necessary evil, it's because you you have not approached this correctly. And and that's, you know, that's my opinion, but but I, I don't think it's as much of, of a necessary evil as I once thought it did or or even at all to some extent. So there was something else I wanted to ask you about 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 something that developed sort of midstream of your of your fundraising your your raising support. Mm-hmm. Um, you of course had gone to Uganda on a survey trip. You had this vision to to go out to the Sese Islands, where you're you're not aware of a of a of a work being done in that area. But you also had a a uh, a personal burden for the country of Rwanda, and you were very much informed about the some of the needs in that country. And mm-hmm. at that time, and still even at this time, it's 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 a situation within the country that is not at all uh, hospitable to foreign mission workers. Along the way, your your vision for East Africa expanded, I, I think we could say, yeah. to be more than just the Sese Islands, more than just Uganda, but even uh, holding out the, the hopes that you could do a work in Rwanda. So I, I, maybe you could address how that developed it, midstream. And one of the reasons that I'd like for you to address this is because the whole concept of pre-filled ministry... I, Perhaps we sometimes expect missionaries to know exactly what they're going to go and do on the field, but the right. reality is that not all of those conclusions are foregone. This thing is still it, it, it's still developing. So sure. maybe you can maybe you can explain how that developed and how did you relate those developments to your supporting churches and your prospective supporting churches um, it, midstream as you're as you're undergoing the, this process of raising your support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rwanda has has become a very particular burden in our hearts. We we love that country and and would love to to see either a Bible believing missionary established there or or to get there and, and do the work ourselves. Um, now we will go into Rwanda from Uganda. We're going to be in in physical proximity, driving time to the Rwandan border. We're probably two or three hours away. Um, to Kigali would probably take five to eight hours to, to get there, depending on, you know, Africa. (laughs) So, um, Rwanda effectively is a closed nation. You, you cannot live there as a missionary, uh, but you can go into the country and, and East Africa, that's, that's Rwanda, Burundi, uh, Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda. They effectively operate almost as a series of United States. Um, uh, you know, they, they, their economies are tightly linked together. And so because of that, Uganda has become unbelievably important as a, as a, as a central place of, of training and development that could potentially reach all the surrounding countries in, in East Africa. Uh, Kenya is becoming, you know, depending on which missionary you talk to, Kenya is to some extent coming more and more difficult to stay there because they, they tax missionaries now and, and, you know how you handle that is up to you, but you know that that can create some so a large extra financial burden. Tanzania is cracking down on uh, visas, and and an unforeseen aspect of that is causing missionaries to oftentimes have a difficult time getting their new visas because it's related to this this crackdown. They're not cracking down on missionaries; just the the abuse of a particular type of visa that missionaries tend to use is, is making it sometimes difficult for them to stay in the country. 
And then, of course, Rwanda is just completely closed if you want to be there as a missionary. Now, BIMI is currently working on a missionary status in the country, and and uh, they're very close to to the end of that process. Of course, the country of Rwanda is really trying hard not to to, to give that that status because their their goal is to remain somewhat secular. Now, in terms of your question, the reason I, I say all that is because Kristen and I fell in love with the Sese Islands. We, we wanted to go to the Sese Islands, which is a small series of islands in northern Lake Victoria on the southern border of Uganda. As far as we could tell, there was nobody out there. And uh, we went to visit in 2016. We spent time in Kampala, and we were not so excited about Kampala. And then we, though Kampala is just full of an ocean of people, and there is a desperate need in Kampala, and, and we'd go there in a heartbeat. But uh, in keeping with making plans and setting out ideas that you think you're going to <laughs> go out and accomplish, uh, we wanted to go to the Sese Islands. So we went out there. We spent time out there. We, we loved it out there. It's beautiful. The people are sweet and kind. There, there's this, there's this uh, year-round influx of people. So when you have the, the fishing season, the islands are flooded with people from Congo, from from uh, Rwanda, from Tanzania, from all the countries I just I just named. Um, they flood into the into Lake Victoria and into those islands during the fishing season. So it's just a tremendous opportunity to again further reach the countries around Uganda through this little series of islands. And and, and so I had all these plans and ideas for for the Sese Islands. And in meeting with Brother James, my pastor, he said. One of the things I want you to do when you go to Uganda is I want you to spend at least one year with Keith Stensis, who is a missionary that is well-established in Uganda. Uh, he's been there 24 years now. Our church has supported him for probably 10 or 15 of those years. And uh, he's just a great missionary, solid brother. And, and in, to develop further training and to get a strong start in Uganda, Brother James thought it uh, beneficial to, for me to to start off working with Brother Keith. So we got to know Brother Keith and started to spend time with Brother Keith. And we just really meshed together. The Lord really just knit our hearts together really well. And it turns out he's got a ministry so big. He's doing the work of about 15 men by himself. And he's been praying for years that the Lord would send someone to help him. And through the development of that relationship, it went from us falling in love with a series of islands that we thought we were going to work in to now working with brother Keith. And he basically covers the entire Southern region of Uganda with, with all the work that he does. And then from there, the only person in Rwanda that, that was there that, that called himself a missionary made a series of what I would say maybe were some mistakes. He ended up getting kicked out of the country. And as a result of that, now there is no one in Rwanda at all. And we're in such close proximity to Rwanda. And as we began to learn more about that country and the hist- the, the, the rich and, and unbelievable history of that country and, and where it is today, Rwanda today is the, the, is the safest, most secure, most prosperous country in all of Africa. But it didn't start that way. It, it's gone through some, some terrible history and, and, and really kind of um, just, it's just got an incredible story and an and incredible background. But those people need Jesus Christ, and there's nobody there to to really facilitate organizing them, you know, winning souls to Christ, organizing them, establishing churches, training men. So 
then our ministry went from the Sese Islands to Southern Uganda to now into Rwanda. And, it, and it's just really expanded. And the Lord is, there's a lot of work that needs to be done and we're willing to do it. And I think the Lord has really blessed us because of it. That makes perfect sense to me how how the how the the vision for the work and the and the burden and the and the awareness of the needs sort of expands and and even really a lot of this developed over I mean you were only on full-time doing full-time deputation for 13 months some of the right. a lot of this developed within the last 2 sure. years and it's it's not dramatic from day to day and meeting to meeting but nevertheless, you're so you're going into churches week in and week out, and you are saying essentially, this is what the Lord has directed us to do in Africa. You know, within a within a three to four month window, what that looks like could be a good bit different. So how do you convey that to churches without without I mean, you you obviously don't want to give the impression of instability or something. It's not, you know, right, we're, right. it's not a game, but at the same time, as you've already said, the goal is not salesmanship. The goal, the goal is not to, is, is not to put on the dog for these churches. We, we want to be up front. We want to, we want churches to know what they're getting into when they support us. So how do you navigate that? Right. Right. So I, I write a monthly prayer letter. I, I try and put it out every month. Um, I believe I've been able to consistently do that probably since at least February of 2019. Um, you know, I, I believe around about that time, I, I, I resolved that I would send it out every month and doing that really gives you a great opportunity to consistently and regularly communicate with your churches about what's going on and developments that are taking place and information like that, uh, you know, and we're not talking about, you know, First of all, so like you, like as you mentioned, it's important to note we're not talking about a fundamental change. Like I went from Africa to Spain, or you know, uh, something <laughs> sure. along those lines. East Africa, they're the same people. You know, it, it's it's a. I mean, you you can make the argument from South Africa all the way up to East Africa. The, the the Bantu people spread all the way across that part of that part of Africa, and um and and their cultures are so interrelated and so similar that um. Uh, you know, it, it's it's not like I'm I'm leaving that area, that region, and and making some massive fundamental change. But those details, they do need to our church supporting churches do need to know that. And so that monthly prayer letter allows me to take some time and and develop those ideas and carefully and and uh, and sincerely explain that to our churches in a way that that uh, helps them to stay on board. And they they didn't two or three months down the road, get a prayer letter that, that shows some radical difference in, in you know, a radical turn in, in our ministry. They've been able to keep up with us on a monthly basis. So as the Lord guides and directs us, and as this develops, they're able to see it on a minute level as we go, rather than just big surprises here and there. And I think that's really helped a lot. Uh, just a, a couple of observations uh, along the way here. Um, one is I, I do think that sometimes in as we try to categorize our, our mission, as we try to um, describe our efforts, there's sometimes an overemphasis on geopolitical boundaries, which right. are which in all honesty are just sort of imaginary lines. Um, sure. That there can be some significant, um, you know, uh, challenges and hurdles when you when you could across those imaginary lines, but as you pointed out, you're still dealing with the same with the same general people group, the Bantu people, 
And and not only that, I mean, from Masaka to Rwanda, you're you're still very much in the same region. So I, I do think that, and I think some of that is just if 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 churches and pastors are informed of these things. If they don't, if they don't over categorize these things, some some of some of that is just uh, it just requires some explanation, and that requires mm-hmm. being able to communicate honestly with your with your churches. And mm-hmm. and uh, one other observation, um, I think missionaries also have to be willing to adapt to the needs as they become aware of them. I think right. that you can because of the way deputation works and you're going into so many churches and you're, and you're saying, this is what the Lord has. Well, this is, this is the watchword. This is what the Lord has called us, which we won't even get into the vocabulary right Right, now, right? (laughs) but it creates a lot of pressure to perform along those lines. Right. And the reality is that if you study even just Paul's missionary methods and, and his missionary journeys, Wow, I mean, can you imagine him going into a local church and saying, "Well, the Lord has called us to," and and you fill in the blank with some geographical location? It, it, he was constantly having to adapt because right. of the needs, because of the Lord's direction, because of persecution, and so as as borders close, as uh, I, I just think that missionaries, I, I think it's wise to just be honest and upfront, and and build in. Uh, some some acknowledge the flexibility that you have. the The Lord is directing us to this region, but we have we have interest in doing this ministry. We have interest in reaching these people, and uh, not overcommit yourself um, right, right. too early on. Because the reality is that most missionaries get to the foreign field and they find out that they're making a lot of they're doing a lot of adapting. They're making a lot of changes to what sure. they may have presented to churches sure. over the course of, of deputation. The success of virtually any endeavor often depends in large part on having the right mentality about the task at hand. I hope that's among the takeaways from this conversation. It's not so important that we be locked into traditional points of methodology. Why wouldn't we want to be as effective as possible with the time and resources available? But flexibility with the methods must be subject to the overarching biblical principles at stake. In this case, things like honesty, personal responsibility, initiative, and seeking constantly to be a blessing to others, even when the stated goal concerns our own ministry objectives, like getting to the foreign field. That's all that we have time for on the program today. I do hope that you've enjoyed the conversation, and I hope that you'll join us next time for the conclusion of the conversation with missionary Thomas Irvin. You can subscribe to this program wherever you receive your podcasts, and if it's been a blessing to you, feel free to invite others to tune in. I welcome your feedback. You can contact me, Brother Lee, by email at greatcommissionconversations at gmail.com. Until next time, let's do what we can to preach the gospel in the regions beyond. Thank you.